Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me after a wild draft weekend is former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley, who was there at the uh, Falcons draft party on uh, what was it, Thursday night when Correct. the Falcons made the uh, the selection for Bijan Robinson. And Ovi, I want to know what was the reaction like in the in the room when they made that pick? Oh, man. Um I'm actually embarrassed to say that my initial reaction was like, what are you doing? I am a running back and I love running backs. We've seen time and time again for the last couple of years that you can get a great running back in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds and free agency. Uh, it just we used to talk about how oh. Running backs aren't going top five or top 10 anymore. Gone are those days where, you know, <laughs> back in, in my day, and they would draft a, a running back uh, like that. But, and I was a solid five minutes. I was like, what are they doing? What's going on? Get like the stud defensive man. I know you have some free agency uh, um, defensive help, but getting a stud defensive end that could help you. And I was, you know, a big Jalen Carter fan as well. I was like, somebody mm-hmm. to help Grady. That's young and can grow. It's going to be cheap. It's great. Again, we we address that in free agency somewhat. But why would you not take advantage of the Georgia boy right there in front of you? I was hot, and I was talking to um, one of the uh, actually Chris Draft helped me. Uh, former Falcon Chris Draft yeah. a lot of years in the league, and he, he helped calm me down. And uh, the guest I brought with me because we were both just like, "What are they doing? I I, I don't get it." Like. He's going to be good, but we have Tyler Algiers. We have Cordero Patterson. We have lots of, and so it was me and probably half the room was like, ah, but after Chris <laughs> Jab talked to me about saying every team is a thunder and lightning, um, Algiers at certain points, he's very, very fast, great speed for a NFL running back, but he doesn't have that breakaway speed. Like he's not going to pull Jerry's Norwood and take off and get a sliver. Wow, what a pull. Go, you know, he's not. Uh, but Bijan can. And so if you can have that thunder and lightning with the offensive line we have, which is going to have to be the focus, being that Desmond Ritter is still Desmond Ritter. He's not Tom Brady yet. He's, you know, may never be Tom Brady, which is fine. Teams won Super Bowls with quarterbacks that can just be game managers and be smart, take care of the ball. And I was like, okay, I feel better about it then. I was like, now I feel better. (laughs) But at first, my initial reaction and majority, I don't say majority, I'll say half. Half of the room's initial reaction was why? Just why? Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, I think that that was probably the reaction. Like, if you take that small sample size and extrapolate it out to the city of Atlanta, that's probably the way a lot of people feel. And we're going to obviously dive into much more of the, the Bijan talk because I've got my own personal thoughts on it. I like the pick um, I, and I'll explain why. And I think the value stuff is a little bit overblown, especially like right when the draft is happening. It's all everybody talks about. Um, and at the end of the day, I just think they added a pretty good player to their team. Um, so we're going to cover the Bijan pick. We're going to cover the entirety of the draft um, quickly and kind of go through each of the the picks and just talk about, you know, are the Falcons, frankly, a better team coming out of the draft? That's the goal, right? 
Um, so that is what yeah. we've got on tap for today's show. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to say that betonline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, and they've got you covered for all of your sports wagering needs. That includes, like I mentioned, the NBA, and I know Ovi's uh, Sacramento Kings facing a big elimination game today against the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> you know, huge De'Aaron Fox guy, that Ovi Mahaley. Um, but they've also got the uh, Major League Baseball, NHL, right on down to UFC and boxing. So BetOnline is your fastest and easiest way to get all of the betting info that you need, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games, which you can play right from your home. Screw that PS5. Go play those card games on your phone. Uh, head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And be sure to use our promo code Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, Ovi, so let's keep diving into the, to the Bijan talk because, you know, the value is, it's almost something that I think, I, like I get, I get the intrinsic overall. Hey, if you take a player at, at five, you could have gotten it 25. Not only do you have to pay them more um, just because of the way the picks are bracketed salary wise, but also now you've potentially, you know, cost yourself an opportunity and maybe a better player. And then you could have still regrouped and, and gone and gotten that player later or what have you. I understand what value means in those terms. I just think that like once we get into October 24th, Nobody's sitting here saying, yeah, but this guy was picked 12th. You know, like we don't talk about it that way. It's like, is the good, is, is the player good on the field? Does he add value to your team? And is he scoring touchdowns? Is he catching passes? Is he doing all of these things? And if he scores a, a you know, two touchdowns in a game, is somebody going to sit here and been like, yeah, but could have had him at 12th. You know, no, I don't, I don't think so. So I think at the end of the day, when you come out of the draft, you just want to have good players, impact players on your team. And that's where, like, I don't think this was an overall abundantly talent-filled draft. I think Bijan Robinson is one of the better offensive prospects to come out, certainly at the running back position, but maybe just writ large uh, over the last few years. And he's going to an offense that is going to use him in a way that allows him to reach his ceiling. Not all offenses are going to do that, but Atlanta, I think, is one of the the uh, teams in the NFL yeah. that will will see the best version of Bijan Robinson as an NFL player, I think in Atlanta, or at least he's got the shot to do that. So from that standpoint, I, I understand all of the value stuff. I understand that for weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to the draft, we were told by guys like Mel Kuyper, we were told by guys like all over the NFL media that you don't draft a running back in the top 10. Yet when December rolls around, all you seem to hear is that defense and running games <laughs> win, win championships. So like, how do you how do you square those two things? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I just think the value stuff is a little overblown. And if you want to say that you would rather have Jalen Carter, that's totally fair. What I will say is that having spoken to Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot on, on Friday night and, and hearing kind of their their logic and their reasoning. Bijan, the person, I think they felt more comfortable with than Jalen Carter, the, the person like I, I think person. that the self-motivation, the just, we can trust you to do everything, the little things on your away time when you're away from the facility doing all, I think they just felt more comfortable with the player that they were getting in Bijan in the total package than necessarily Jalen Carter. Obviously, time will tell, but do you see that part of it? And, and as a, you know, a former fullback in the league, like you've got to understand, and 
and value the run game to some degree, right? Uh, not to some degree. I, I value it very <laughs> highly. But, you know, as a uh, member of the media now and a sports analyst go. for several years, I do also understand the business that the game of football is. Mm-hmm. And in this business, I've unfortunately seen the position I love so much be, not want to say undervalued, but um, in a way undervalued because we're so good. We're a victim of our own success. We're too damn good <laughs> all across the board. You have so many great running backs that will show up, you know, out of pop out of manholes and come out of the trees and drop down, <laughs> you know, from the mountains. Like we're, we're, we're everywhere. There are great running backs in HBCUs, in Division II schools. Mm-hmm. They just need opportunities. Uh, so Tyler Algier, you know, got a thousand yards. Yeah. Bijan may not get a thousand yards his rookie year. And that doesn't mean he's better or worse Tyler Algiers. It's going to be crowded having Corderell Patterson, having Bijan, having Tyler, and trying to give all of them equal touches is going to be interesting. But I, I, I do hear what you're saying. I do understand that in, on Sunday during the fall, it's all about can this guy help us win? And I think he definitely can. But to your other point regarding character, you're so right. You're, you're, you're so right. And I've been on teams, <laughs> I won't name names, where uh, <laughs> the, the character, not only was the character not there, but these guys were a, a cancer and they had their bad character rub off on their position group. They had their bad character rub, rub off on their side of the ball. You're talking um, about Bobby Petrino, right? Is that? Uh, no, <laughs> Bobby Petrino. <laughs> Part of them, but there, there are players that first year. Oh, yeah, is how do you how do you react to adversity? And there are certain players, uh, high profile players on the Falcons that did not care at all. I saw Algie Crumpler uh, at a, a golf tournament Love Algie. Uh, a week or so ago, and we we were talking about how that <laughs> I only got one year Algie Crumpler, and that was that horrible 2007 Bobby Petrino year. And um, I was talking about Algie like. What did you do? He's like, I went and spoke to Petrino two, three times, just like man to man. Like, I'm one of the, the leaders on the team, mm-hmm. you know, the perennial pro bowler, all that stuff. I was like, you've got to change how you deal with grown men. And he didn't, he, he didn't want to listen to me. He said, I'm going to run this team how I want to run it. Thank you for your input, but it's not needed. I said, wow, I'll just what he said. He's like, yeah, but that's not going to stop me from trying to keep my guys up. That's not going to stop me from yeah. keeping, you know, my, my team and, and, um, and be the leader that I want to be. And that's the type of mentality I think Bijan has. That's the type yes. of guy he's going to be. I think Arthur and uh, Terry were saying that they want players who, you know, mothers are happy and not ashamed to have that, their son grow up to be like him. Because some players you admire, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want all of their, um, you don't want your son to emulate him like the Antonio Browns yes. of the world. You know, you're like, They're not oh, role he's a models. Great player. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Role models. He's a, he's a great player, but is that someone I want my kid to, you know, imitate and take their shirt off and start throwing his hands up, walking out the field in the middle of the game? No. Bijan is, is not that guy. And I think he's someone who's going to make people around him better. Yeah. I mean, is, is, personality seems um, yeah. very magnetic, uh, smiling all the time. I thought it was hilarious when he got drafted. He couldn't fit the hat on his head because his, the, way his, the way his hair was, <laughs> he says he has a big head anyway. And so he just kept like, you rewatch it walking out on the stage. He's just constantly like pulling his hat. Down. Yeah, it won't um, go down. I mean, yeah, the but man he, said, my mom, my mom actually called me and, uh, or texted me. She said, 
your pick, your pick. Did you hear what he said? He's, like one of the first things he's going to do is money. He's going to tithe and give it to the church. I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, yeah. If you don't love the guy already, yeah, just just him saying stuff like that and where his mind's at. Like this guy trying to give back already. That's like the first thing he wants to do is give back. Yeah. So um, no, I'm I'm excited to have him on the team. Excited to meet him in person. Happy to see that he came to a team that's going to use him. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a running back and member of the media, but I'm running back first. So I'm all for Bijan getting his. And, and to your point about, um, you know, Algy basically saying, look, I'm like, do what you want to do, coach, but I'm going to take care of my position group and my guys and we're going to do things the right way. In the yeah. NFL, you have to delegate that leadership out to the players like you do it, it. These are grown men. You have to say, look, I have to be able to trust you to do your business all the time. But I'm not going to babysit you all the time. You're not going back yeah. to the dorms where, where I can just send a coach in and be like, all right, hey, guys, everybody lights out. You know, like these are not children. These are grown no. ass men. And so you want to draft guys of character because ultimately the locker room does become a reflection of the sum of the parts within it. And you need to have enough high character guys who are going to look at each other and hold each other accountable when the coach is gone. Right. So. That is what I think they're they're getting in, in Bijan. And from an on-field perspective, I tweeted this out, but I really think that you look at somebody, I know he's drawn more comparisons because of like the running back um, title next to his name, the Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and the versatility that they bring and how you can use them as yeah. receivers. I look at Debo Samuel because I think that that's a little bit closer of a body type. Obviously, Bijan is, is a running back and Debo is a wide receiver, but for all intents and purposes, I can see so many plays where he's getting you know, a jet sweep and you get him out in space or he's lining up in the slot and then he motions back into the backfield and then you're running a screen with it. Like there's just so many versatility options with Bijan Robinson and pairing him with a coach like Arthur Smith, who I put in that Kyle Shanahan zone of just, I know what to do with the guys that I have. Like I'm such a good chef. Give me any ingredient and I'll make a great meal out of it. And then you give him a top tier ingredient like a Bijan Robinson I can't wait to see what they uh, what they cook I up. I can't, but it's just interesting that Cordero Patterson is the same guy you compared Debo Samuels like a year it or is, two years but ago. He's, like, but he's like we, 31, we, right? Like, <laughs> he's not going to be here forever. <laughs> I get it. But usually you draft his replacement. Well, I guess you can draft him before he leaves, but you know, yeah. he's he, he's already here and the rooms will get crowded. So that that's why, you know, um, what do you call it? Just being a devil's Pessimistic. Yeah. To. Uh, there you, go. you know, try to see the other side of, of the of the coin to where I my initial thought and I, I'm still looking forward to be proven wrong. There's a lot of cooks in this kitchen. I, I know you're all about cooks can make you know, great meals <laughs> out of great ingredients, but there are a lot of cooks in this kitchen. That, that's a very fair point. Um, and yeah, I think that you can definitely quibble with, hey, we just had a thousand yard rusher who we drafted in the fifth round. If you want to talk value. Case in point right there. Like you don't even have to Ooh. look outside of this roster to, to, to explain why maybe that. But I just. Nobody probably is more aware of that than the Atlanta Falcons. And you have to believe that they have a, a very solid plan in place for how they're going to use these guys. I expect to see, frankly, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson and Bijan Robinson on the field at the same time. Probably like 10 snaps a game, 15 snaps a game. Like that's going to be a lot of fun. If you're just in 32 personnel, like <laughs> you're in 32 personnel with Kyle Pitts, Jonu Smith, Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, you could essentially be in like four receiver set in 32 yep. personnel and not really lose anything there. 
what are we doing? Man, that's so, so interesting, at least. Like, I don't know if it's going to work, but it's interesting. Yeah. I want, I want, I want to see if Cordero's going to play more wide receiver and uh, mm-hmm. if they're going to kind of like H-backs, tight end, fullback. Cordero has, has been that tailback wide receiver, but he's been more at tailback. But now, is he going to be that tailback wide receiver that's more at wide receiver? You would think mm-hmm. so, so they can get the other two guys on the field. And that just opens up the playbook so much. And uh, after being so impressed at what Arthur did last year with a team that was supposed to win two games and finding ways to make, you know, Marcus Mariota at times look like he was competent because <laughs> we had, you know, three or four games where we, we praised him that he was doing this and doing that. And it wasn't much he was doing, but we were winning. And so yeah. just the fact that we were on the positive side of things, everyone was eyes wide open and taken aback and pleasantly surprised. So we, we already said, hey, this is what he can do with, you know, a couple uh, uh you know, average to mediocre players. What's he going to do when he actually has his time to choose his people and get some high level, high octane horses in there? So it's 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 coming. Like Prime said, it, you know, we coming. They coming. <laughs> Somebody's coming. Somebody's <laughs> coming. Uh yeah. Uh, the last last note I'll have for for Bijan because I was um, reading through some of the it may have been the Nerdy Birds. Yeah, in fact, it was uh, Nerdy Birds. Matt Haley, shout out Matt Haley, um, Falcons comms manager, uh, who puts together kind of a big recap deep dive with a lot of um, stats and also expert quotes and stuff about the player. But it was Steve Sarkeesian, Texas head coach, former Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator, who obviously coached Bijan Robinson and and has a lot of the same kind of I think familiarity as a Kyle Shanahan, who he took over for here in Atlanta, but also kind of that Arthur Smith, the way they like to build with the ground game. Um, and he said that he felt that Bijan's style of play actually probably translates better to the NFL than it did even college. So like the best days of Bijan may still just like the very specific elite traits that he has, you know, the ability to string together multiple moves while not losing any, any acceleration his awareness of space because the NFL is a very big like spacing game nowadays. So just I'm really curious to see what how this all shakes out, because there's a version where you're absolutely right. And that other 50 percent are are right at the end of the day. And after four years, you know, they don't pick up that fifth year extension. We're sitting here saying, man, what a what a wasted opportunity. But there's also the flip side of that in that even if he's not here for a decade because he's a running back, you get six seven amazing years out of Bijan Robinson. And it, like, I remember what Todd Gurley did for that Rams offense for the first like three years that he was there. Bijan's that type yeah. of talent too. And, and if you get that in a week NFC, we're talking about a Falcons team that can win 12 games and has the best rushing attack in the league. And then all of a sudden it's looking like 2004 all over again, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's on the table, but um, let's flip and, and move on to the, uh, to the second round. They drafted Matt Bergeron. Um, who was a an offensive tackle in college. It looks like the Falcons are probably going to give him a shot at, at left guard to begin with. He's got some of the run blocking skills that I think the Falcons are really looking for. Um, he can move up to the second level really well. So what did you think about going offense with the first two picks and then specifically going offensive line in the second round? I mean, you, you kind of got to. Um, we were having a conversation uh, Actually, this was a rally on the runway I did. Oh, yeah, nice. Childhood, yeah, childhood cancer event raised money at. And My wife used to uh, work the rally. Oh, man, it's a great, great organization. And I saw, interestingly enough, one of my old Baltimore Ravens um, 
offensive linemen. And we were talking about the days blocking for Jamal Lewis to where like they were we were all such a sink. And, and, and he was saying, we didn't think you were going to be that good over. We were like, oh, here we go. Because the starting fullback got hurt and you know, I was my second year in the league. And like, here comes this Wake Forest. I mean, what what stud is coming on Wake Forest? Like, no one's like, oh my gosh, he came from Wake Forest. Oh, he's got to be good. Says no one. I was like, all right, all right, I get it. I get it. Like, <laughs> he's up. And he was like, but nah, you, you, you had the mind meld with uh the the O line. And I say he said, I'd like to think that you raised your level of play to the level that we demanded if we were gonna block for Jamal Lewis, you know, one of the best running backs in the league at the time. And uh they want to make sure the Falcons do that every single member of their offensive line. It's not just competent, but has the physical skills to dominate. And once they get their mm-hmm. mind on that mind meld, once they've been able to get the uh, the ABCs, one, two, threes of how the Falcons play football or how they rush the ball and they can just react, they got to have the skills to react. And mm-hmm. Bergeron has those skills. And that's, I think that's what's really exciting. Uh, you hear some of the uh, commentators talk about him and the nasty streak that – I remember you were begging, begging the O-line and D-line to have. And the last year or two, the O-line has has created this nasty streak. They've created that push. They've created that play mm-hmm. up to and sometimes right on the line or up to the whistle or kind of teeter-totter on that line. It's fun because that's the only way I've, I've played uh, in Baltimore and Atlanta up with crazy offensive linemen and Harvey Dahls, Tyson Claybos of the world, yep. uh, who would just, of course, you know, mud ducks of the world. <laughs> who would just be so much fun to play with because these guys had your back. These guys were hooting and hollering every play. These guys were running down the field 10, 20, 30 yards trying, trying to catch up to Michael Turner or Jamal Lewis. <laughs> like, Bergeron, just with uh, the attitude I've seen in a couple of interviews, and it could all just be a uh, you know a ploy, but he seems to have that attitude, seems to have that moxie, seems to have that that quiet and, and, and loud confidence uh, when necessary. So th- those are the guys that I, I think would be a great fit for our O-line. I think my favorite thing about um, Matt Bergeron and, and getting the chance to talk to him after he was drafted, he seems like a great dude. He made a joke about eating uh, 30 chicken wings uh, recently. So his listed out weight is probably wrong now. He's probably like five pounds heavier. So just like for his first media appearance, like seemed very laid back, very just... Like he understand why the Falcons were like, yeah, this this guy fits kind of what what we're building, what we're looking for in our, our locker room. But the most telling thing going back and rewatching the moment that he gets drafted and usually, you know, you've got these cameras that you're sticking in these high profile prospects face and they're sitting there with their parents and maybe a, a girlfriend or a sister will like run in and, and jump and grab him. Although I did. Did you see Lucas Van Ness? Like they had to pull a kid off of him, basically, like he got drafted and I guess like his his friend or his brother or whatever went and like jumped on him and like a dude to get all that uh, TV time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Matt, big Matt hands grabbing him. Yeah. Matt Bergeron, like he, he gets drafted. He gets the phone call immediately gets swarmed by like 15 dudes who are just like, clearly like probably former teammates, close friends, like all of this stuff. And I was like, all right, that this is a guy who other guys like, and yep. you, you need that on the offensive line. You need that in a, in an NFL locker room. Like you got to be able to fit in. You got to win the trust. The other thing is that the um, Arthur Smith was specifically saying this about Javon Gwynn, who they drafted in seventh round, but especially in the trenches, and you look at how heavily they invested in the defensive line of free agency in the draft, taking two offensive linemen, attrition is a part of the NFL game. You're going to have guys get hurt. You're going to have guys miss three or four games. 
like you just said, Ovi, they want players that have been in their system, that know what they are looking for on a play-in and play-out. So you're not having to get, bring in a guy off the street for one week before he has to suit up and then stick him in there next to Jake Matthews. And he doesn't really totally understand yeah. to his bones what we're doing. It's just going to cause issues. So like, you're going to continue to see, I think, the Falcons draft offensive and defensive linemen in every draft moving forward because they just want to have guys waiting in the wings who are their guys. And and I think Matt Bergeron, you look at what he does in the run game, totally fits that bill as as one of the Falcons guys. Absolutely. You know, you know, with the, I mean, I wish that the casual fan can just hop into the mind of an offensive lineman and see <laughs> through his eyes and have, you know, the, the helmet right there in front of him and then understand how much, uh, I think teamwork and how much coordination it takes mm-hmm. to do these um, these stunts and these uh, blitzes and these splits and how when you're passing off a lineman, you can't leave too early. You can't hold on too late. You have to be shoulder to shoulder to your guy. The, the level of cooperation and, and how much you have to be in sync is about twice as much as you think it is. And if you don't have a guy who has the mental capability but also has that want to, has that dog in him, it's going to mess up the whole offensive line. All those dominoes are going to fall apart. I don't care how great you know Jake Matthews is and uh, Chris Lindstrom is. These guys won't be able to play at their best if there's someone so far below them as far as talent and uh, technique. And I think that's why they drafted Matt. And I think that's why they they're getting guys that um, they can build up and have the tools, but can develop into a potential. Uh, a backup because attrition is there and the, the game is getting bigger and faster guys and injuries are, are not if they happen when they happen you just need to have yeah. somebody who can go in there and be able to hold the line until help comes back in yeah i think bergeron will probably get a, a decent shot at, at a starting job in camp uh, against probably matt hennessy is his main competition there maybe Jalen mayfield um who missed all of last year with a, a back injury i believe but those three look to be in the mix. Um, and yeah, again, like I, I think that Bergeron could have an inside shot at this, but, but again, like you're just drafting to, to develop. And if it's a former third round pick who ultimately gets the starting job this year, because he's been in your system for two years, like yeah, you're making a little mini farm system, I think in the trenches. And, and that's a good, a good spot to be in rather than, all right, we need to draft a starter because we have nobody else. I'd rather have two or three guys that you're deciding between and, and we'll go from there. But Somebody else on the other side of the uh, the equation on the defensive line, Zach Harrison, um, their third round pick, is another very highly rated prospect coming out. I think he was like the number two prospect in his entire class. Um, really long. You understand the athleticism and the and the traits and why he was probably so highly rated, but the production was never there. He's another little bit of a, I think, a developmental guy um, who you're getting in the third round, and the upside could be there. But again, drafting in the trenches and Drafting probably as part of a rotation, given all of the work Atlanta did on their defensive line, adding Clayus Campbell, adding a Bud Dupree, adding a David Onyemata. Like, there's not a clear lane for Zach Harrison to oh. be a, a full-time starter here. But also, I don't know if he's ready to be a full-time starter. So that's where this pick kind of makes sense, even though in the third round, maybe you're hoping to come away. Like, they got Desmond Ritter in the in the third round last year. So you're hoping to come away with with a guy who maybe can be a bit more of an impact player. I don't know. What was your thought about Zach Harrison? Because this may be the one pick that I'm a little bit scratching my head about. Oh, uh, it's, 
I, it's 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 mixed because uh, I heard the people again the talking heads talking about you know lack of bend and uh, not didn't have a clear pass rush a plan on him and and these are some of the things that you know they said about guys like Vic Beasley who was horrible except for when he wasn't and I don't want Zach to end up in Vic Beasley's shoes where you got some talent and you may have a flash in the pan, but the majority of your career is a disappointment. No one wants that. Uh, I, I just think that having a Clayus Campbell and having some of these guys who've done it for a long time, the Bud Dupree's and Anya Mata's is going to be a huge help to Zach because he has the skills. He has the physical, you know, tools to be amazing. And that, that, that long lanky body and that reach that hopefully can grab a, QB and pull him down, but he's mm-hmm. just got to understand how to go from a college great player to an NFL great player, which is not easy to do. And in my, I was a fourth round pick. I wanted to start so bad my my first year rookie year. I wasn't ready. I was sitting here. I think. All what was the biggest learning about. curve? I'm better than him. What was what was uh, your learning, learning curve? curve was, it? was go for it. I, I'd say my my learning curve. Um, was was real steep because I was going against the number one defense in the NFL for the last two years. And so practicing against those guys, I felt like I was horrible. I felt like I, I, I wasn't good enough. And little did I know that it was going to get easier from here. Like, <laughs> I was playing against the, some of the toughest guys uh, in the league yeah. as a group. Um, but I still was not ready because I was thinking too much. And gotcha. our playbook is big in college, especially now. People, um, coaches are having more complex playbooks. But having to do just football, which you would think would be easier, uh, but just having to focus on the, on the playbook and the game plan and being able to watch film with even more um, specificity and, and detail, it, it all was hard to bring together to where it's automatic. And you can't mm-hmm. play football at a high level until it's automatic. You can't be thinking about, okay, corners coming down, safety's rotating, yep. linebackers in the A gap, matches called an audible. No, we because we we, did, we would actually do this. We would call three plays in the huddle. Mm-hmm. And and like pat the head was play A. Clap your hand is play B and wave <laughs> your hands play C. And we wow. have to remember all three plays while remembering our assignment on each play while being able to execute that assignment based on the blitzers, the defense, the uh, uh, who's up, who's down. And doing all that without thinking mm-hmm. is damn near impossible unless you are just an IQ of, above a bazillion or you've <laughs> gotten the reps and you have a high football IQ that's able to translate it into one of the fastest moving games in the world, which is uh, NFL when quarterback says hike. So it took me a while to make it automatic to where I'm just reacting. I know what I'm doing. I understand the defense. I've watched uh, enough film. I even have graduated and know what the tight end is doing. I know the tackles block. I, I know how the guards pull. I know that uh, if, Linebacker comes up, he he goes up. If they linebacker goes out, he goes out, and so I would adjust this way, and yeah. you're able to play that chest and, and be a, a step or two ahead. That's when things just like the matrix. You start seeing the the ones and zeros, <laughs> and you can actually play the way you want to. That's why I wasn't ready my first year 
Um, it wasn't ready to be at my best. I could have played. I could have, you know, been serviceable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, you know, be at the Pro Bowl level that I was year three and four, it, it takes a while. And Zach, um, you know, to your earlier point, I, I think he's going to not be. I mean, very few rookies are there, but he's definitely not going to be there the first year. Uh, maybe not the second year, but the third year, he could be a stud. Absolutely. I mean, again, like he's he's got all of the tools that you would yep. kind of want. He's 6'5", 274, really long arms. Like he's got great upfield burst and athleticism. It's really just what you mentioned, Ovi, kind of that turn the corner athleticism. He doesn't bend very well, partially because he is so tall and he's so long. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to part. do. But the the effort is there. The um, the straight line speed like he'd be the perfect player if you don't do like a split zone block on a play and you just leave the backside end un- unblocked and yeah. let him, he would just chase down a running back. Like, yeah, two steps, he'd be there. Like, exactly. Yeah, I, I used to hate those defensive ends to where I see him and I'm going through the A gap. And I'm like, I hope he doesn't crash down and grab <laughs> yeah. Mike behind me because we're running to the right and we're just assuming that me and Michael Turner were fast enough and he can't do it. Some of these long, lanky guys, mm-hmm. it's like you know, that darn alien that take one or two steps and they're there. So if he has that, that, that burst and that speed that he had in college and translate that, unblocked, he's, he'd be great. Yeah. Long, <laughs> <laughs> unblocked, he's great. And, and we don't really fully know. I mean, we can get an idea based on the New Orleans games, but we don't yeah. know fully how Ryan Nielsen plans on, on using all of these guys. Maybe they have a vision where, look, we want interior pressure and then we're going to flush these quarterbacks out right to Zach Harrison. So he doesn't really have to bend the corner and turn the arc and, and come back to get the quit. Like, I don't know how they're going to use it. They obviously have a plan again. If, if they don't, then that's a totally different conversation. And then it's totally fair to be like, well, all right, why'd you make this pick? But what are we as doing? of right now, like you under all we can do is based on look at like, what are the raw tools, the components, his makeup, all of this stuff. And, Zach Harrison has the the upside and the tools to, I think, warrant a day three pick, even if he doesn't have a clear path to like a big, big role in his first year. This is more a, yeah, like you said, uh, maybe in year two, maybe in maybe in year three, but you've got time to figure that out. Another another player moving to day three here who if Zach Harrison has all the tools and you're looking for him to, to put it together, Clark Phillips, um, you know, safe or corner out of Utah maybe tapped out athletically, like he may already be what he's going to become, but kind of what you were saying, where it just takes time, that mental learning curve, the instincts, being able to play at full speed because you just know what you're doing and you can diagnose everything like the matrix in front of you. You know, people just see all those lines and they're like, what the hell does that mean? If you know how to read it, you know what it means. That's Clark Phillips to me. Like he plays with such great instincts. You, you watch some of his highlights. He's breaking on like, there's a play where he's essentially lined up in, in the slot and it's, it's zone coverage and he's got the flat and they run a real quick just out route with the receiver who he's not even lined up against the outside receiver and he undercuts it because he just kind of knows where he's supposed to go and he sells that he's not going to be there to bait the, the quarterback to kind of throw that flat route quick. And then he just doesn't hesitate, doesn't even really like look to see is he going to get burned by a double move or anything, breaks on the ball, makes the pick, takes off the other way. Like, He's that type of, I think, instinctive player. I think he's going to be a really strong special teams player as well. Another um, defender who's entering a little bit of a crowded situation. He'll probably compete with Darren Hall and Mike Hughes for that nickel spot, but they can bring him along as he's ready. I I like the Clark Phillips pick. I, I think that I like it 
better than the Zach Harrison pick, even though Zach Harrison is the toolsier, wow. traitsier prospect. I think Clark Phillips is a little bit, you know, I could just see him being a really solid player. And I, I don't know if he's ever going to be like the best corner in the league or anything like that. But he won't. You don't have to know. He won't. <laughs> <laughs> ever. <laughs> but he, but he, he just, you know, like a, a little bit of the way that Brian Poole was in 2016, like his, his rookie yeah, year, just, just a real solid nickel corner who doesn't have to be the star of the show, but he just isn't going to be a liability. That to me is the upside of Clark Phillips here. No, um, not being liability is is huge uh, in the defense defensive backfield because those guys, you can, and I've been there, will take 15, 16 plays, grind it out, running the ball, you know, knocking these linebackers back every single time, you know, staying ahead of the uh, uh, of the sticks and get a touchdown by Obi Mahaley, two-yard uh, fullback dive. Great. Kill the clock. Took about six, seven, eight minutes off the clock. All right, guys, let's sit down and uh, <laughs> whew, take a load off. Our defense is out there. We're good. What's going on? Come on. <laughs> Why'd he fall down? What's he doing? Oh, come on. Grab your helmet. Let's go back out there because one yeah. DB that they know is the weak link and that they're going to go after every single time is going to lose games for you week in and week out. Because you got to give your DBs a rest. You got, you got to have rotation. And when you put that second string guy or third string guy, there's a little injury and he can't at the very least be reliable. That's one of the worst positions at defensive back, you mm-hmm. know, corner especially, to play if you or nickel even if you can't do your job. And even though he's undersized, even though he's a <laughs> below average athlete, uh, that's, that's rough um, uh, to be written about you. But it's, it's a chip on your shoulder. I'm sure it's not the first time he's heard that. If you have the instincts, like you mentioned earlier, cutting off um, receivers, jumping routes, and being able to win on those, then we want you because mm-hmm. our defensive backfield has been a liability for uh, several years. The Falcons have, and, you know, not too many when I was played, but you know, uh, there's a year or two where we had it was it was iffy at times. We were just like rolling our eyes and like, come on. <laughs> And even uh, Jerry Snore, who's the nicest guy in the world, was saying, well, that's not good. And we, <laughs> we can't have this happen uh, day in, day out. Jerry was at the uh, draft party on Thursday. Nice, and yeah. we, we got to talk about you know, our, our draft nights, and it was just a, a real fun time to, to reconnect with him and talk about the, the mindset of these rookies. I was like, when you came in, man, what were you thinking? He was like, I was just like, don't mess it up, Jerry. Don't mess it up, Jerry. Don't mess it up, Jerry. I'm like, me too. <laughs> me too. I just... Didn't want to get to here all the way to the league and then to, you know mess it up. I I use different language, but I was like, don't 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 you know something it up. Uh, <laughs> and you, you you didn't want to <sighs> let down all the people who helped you get here. So yeah. I know all these rookies are excited as, as heck to get into the NFL. Something they've been looking forward to and thinking about their whole lives, and now it's here. But like I always say, if I get a chance to talk to them, it's it's just the beginning. A rookie symposium is no longer an NFL thing. It's a team by team thing. And I had a chance to talk at a rookie symposium a while back. And it, it literally was just hammering in the reality that this is just beginning. You have not. Yeah. Made it. No, I made it. No, you haven't made it. <laughs> you have started. You're You're not, nothing yeah. is made. No, no one's going to give you that many pats on the back. If you get in here and. You can't wake up on time. You can't study the uh, playbook. You can't process film. You're going to get just 
pulled away and distracted by the strip clubs, the you know, <laughs> hordes of girls and groupies, the uh, yeah. spending money when you not need to, all the hanger honors, the uh, people who have a target in your back, you have a personal assistant who wants a personal assistant. If you get that lifestyle, get caught up in that, it, it's it's people aren't gonna remember that you made the NFL. People will remember that you squandered an opportunity to play at the yeah. highest level, which is not how you want to be remembered. And it's exactly why I think, you know, to the earlier point when we talked about Bijan, like why the Falcons are so intentional about the character of the men they're bringing into this building, because you've got a lot of uh, work to do just preparing to beat the other team on Sunday. You don't need that extra work yeah. of like, all right, well, you know, wh- where's where's Bijan on Friday night? Where's you know, Bijan? Like, somebody's got to be keeping I'm an eye on him. Again. It's like, nah, that man's probably in a pew, like tithing his ass <laughs> off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's he's gone. doing. He's getting right with that. the Lord on on a Friday night before the game. So <laughs> that's that's what they uh, they want. But yeah, I, I think I think it's really well said. And and again, like that's the athleticism. And and Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot kind of said this, like not fully fully explicitly, but like pretty much. Just if if there's a toss up and you're deciding between two guys who you have in the same category, you know when you're making your pick and they're kind of right there neck and neck and you've got one guy who has better athleticism, better traits, all of this stuff and can help you maybe a little bit more on the field, but you've got concerns about the character. And then on the other side, you've got a player who maybe could be tapped out athletically like a Clark Phillips or, you know, maybe just not that rare, rare elite athleticism, but everything else is, is above average or an A plus or whatever. Like they're probably going to lean more towards that guy because you can work and develop a player. um, But if, if they're away from the facility and they're an issue, then you're not able to even really impact that. And that's, I think, something that really matters to this organization. Um, so let's wrap up real quick with the two seventh round picks, uh, DeMarco All Helms right. out of Alabama and then uh, Javon Gwynn out of South Carolina. It's something that I've noticed, you know, last two years, you've got your two uh, you know, last picks and, and they're coming out of the SEC. I think that this is a team, sometimes you get, uh, you get front offices that with their, like, you know, throwaway picks, even though that's a a derogatory term, I guess, it, it, for both of these guys. Like, I wouldn't want to be called a, a throwaway pick. Like, I'm here to out to prove something. But they they like production. They like guys who have played a lot in college. Uh, DeMarco Hellams played a lot at Alabama. Javon Gwynn played a lot at South Carolina. I think he was a starter all four years there. Team captains, both of them. So, again, you're adding these high-character guys who have a lot of reps, not this all right, we're going to throw a dart at the dartboard and we're going to take a dude yeah. who's 6'8 and ran a 4-4-2 and all of this stuff, but but was like a rotation player at, I don't know, UNC Charlotte. Like, let, let's just go ahead and get the guy who has played a lot of games against LSU and Alabama and Georgia. Like, yeah. that's he's probably ready for the SEC. Um, kind of, we can talk about both of these guys grouped together, but generally, in your experience playing, um, Later round guys, late third round picks, have you noticed a difference between players who come from smaller schools or bigger schools like who have who have that type of experience? Or is that something that kind of once you're out there on the playing field or practice field, like you don't even really think about? Um, the, you notice slight things like uh, you'll notice, obviously, like you mentioned, the guys who come from the SEC and the guys who have a um a background at a big school, they seem to watch film a little bit better. They, hmm. they seem to have more resources. They seem to 
uh, be held to a higher standard. They seem to have uh, more coaches to have more time because, you know, these SEC organizations could pay to have a, a quality control coach, you know, uh, two assistant O-line coaches and, and just, just more personnel to spend more time with these players so yeah. that when it comes to picking up things in the playbook, when it comes to um, understanding how to grade yourself and to find where you can improve just by looking at film, the bigger schools can do that. But you know, on the other hand, some of these smaller schools, Division two or three, or the HBCUs, so they may not have some of the experience playing against larger, higher quality talent, which is very important because that makes the jump not as much when mm-hmm. the guy that you were able to beat last year is now the guy that you're playing in the NFL because they were top tier talent and you beat them. And so you realize yeah. that, okay, I can play the NFL guys versus a guy who's feeling good about himself because he's beaten some Division two or Division three HBCU guy. He's like, oh, I got so many tackles, so many uh, sacks and so many tackles and so many catches. Yeah, against you know someone who can't even make an XFL roster. Yeah, that's that's not impressive. So, guys who are from HBCUs, Division two, Division three schools, uh, they're going to have something that sometimes these bigger schools don't have, which is not just a chip. But they have a chip on a chip on a chip on their shoulder because they feel like you don't think I'm going to succeed. No one thinks I'm going to succeed. They're <laughs> like they're doing me a favor like no like i am just as good as anybody else on this team and i will outwork the outworkers so um mm. i think that benefit is going to level the playing field somewhat for the hbcu guys and the smaller school guys yeah it's i mean it's fair and it's you know like i i asked you that question because I think it's something that I was very interested in when I worked for the Falcons was like, all right, so as you guys are building and assigning grades, you've got to obviously have your own preference. Like, do you prefer these traitsy dudes who you think that, all right, we get them with an NFL coaching staff and in the with these resources that these SEC players are coming from, but maybe a, you know, to pull up Brent Grimes reference here, like a Shreveport mm. wouldn't necessarily offer. Like, yeah, maybe they maybe the jump can then be made. Because the they're finally getting the resources allocated to them that they haven't had before. But on the flip side, like if you get somebody who worked with Nick Saban for the last four or five years, who is one of the best defensive back coaches of all time, like, yeah, take that guy. You know, like that guy's probably already coming into the building and has some things that maybe he can share that are valuable. <laughs> like you're almost getting an extension yeah. of this great coach inside of your building. So, real quickly, just you know, I don't know too, too much about DeMarco Hellams or Javon Gwynn. So I, I, I don't want to sit here and say, well, I think he can do this or I think he can do that. I think looking at both of these guys, you're seeing the same things. Team captain, versatility. Gwynn, you know, has played in a lot of different spots uh, along the offensive line during his career. He even took some snaps at center at the Senior Bowl. Um, and so they, they feel like he's got that inside positional versatility which is important when I think they're looking at the offensive lineman because, again, injuries happen. So having somebody who could be, all right, our, our starting left guard got hurt. We need you to slide in there. Or Caleb McGarry gets hurt. We need you to slide in over there. Like That type of just flexibility position-wise, I think, really matters, especially when you're talking about these day three guys. And then DeMarco Hellams, I think yeah. he's going to be another core special teams player. Like I think that they really, really focus on that third aspect of the game, special teams, to a, to a very high degree. So. That that's part part of the reason why like I don't see Zach Harrison playing a ton on special teams, which like 
I'll leave the Zach Harrison stuff alone. He seems like a great dude. I'm excited to have him on the team, but I just still bump up against that a little bit. Let's get out of here, though, quickly, Ovi. Um, last question for you. Do we feel better about the Falcons leaving the draft than we did coming into it? Yes. Absolutely yes. A thousand percent yes. Just because with our running back thunder and lightning situation we have now and with a office alignment that can be that last piece to the O-line puzzle, I think defense and run games win championships and we did uh, some a lot of good work on, on defense during free agency and we kind of solidified our run game for uh, the draft or during the draft. And so, no, I feel good. We're definitely better. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, I was excited in the last year to say, if we just keep moving forward and add the right pieces and Terry Fontenot does what Terry Fontenot do, does, then we're, <laughs> we're going to be great. And I feel great. And we will be great. I think, ah, uh, oh, man, I'm going to leave it alone. But, you know, it's, not impossible to think we can win eight, nine, ten games. Uh, nine or ten game w- uh, a season is not like something that's so crazy. In fact, I think that that's what we're <laughs> expecting. We're expecting yeah, I, this I think team that's... with Ritter to win, you know, nine or ten games, and I think it's possible. So, it, especially now with this draft, so it's it's exciting. It's definitely the expectation, right? I mean, like that's. Especially in a weak NFC South that is certainly yeah. up in in shambles a little bit, and everybody is reshuffling, figuring out where they're going to fall. Like, yep, yeah, th- this this is the year. It's year three, right? And I I think that the Falcons, more importantly, feel really good about their roster. Like, I think that if you look at this draft and you look at these, were not players that they drafted where. Yeah, there's a clear clear hole at middle linebacker, so you had to take a middle linebacker. You know, like they made some interesting picks, but I think you make those interesting picks because you feel like even without this draft, maybe, you know, maybe you need Bijan because your offense is still lacking a little bit of that firepower, even though you've got Kyle Pitts, like it it is still lacking some of that explosive, just any type of like, we've got that haymaker waiting in the wings for you. Um, I think Bijan gives them that. Yes. I like, I think he gives them that, but almost the rest of the draft, I think you could, probably like wipe it out and Falcons still probably feel comfortable going in. Like that's what a lot of these players feel like. All right, we want to get them in because we want to up the overall level of competition at training camp. We want to build over overall roster depth. And these are guys that we think can in a pinch we can rely on, but mostly we're going to be relying on guys like Lorenzo Carter and Caden Ellis and David Onimata and Clay's Campbell and Jeff Okuda and Jesse Bate. Like, all of those guys are are the ones that really are going to be carrying the the weight of this team. And that's why I, I don't understand a lot of the kind of grades and recaps where they're like, the Falcons have all of these holes. I think they addressed a lot of their holes in free agency. And we're used to seeing them draft for need. But this team has said time and time again, they're not going to draft for need. They just want to add good players across the board. So I do feel a little bit better about the Falcons. A lot of that has to do with that Bijan pick because I, I think that Bijan is not just a running back. I know that's what the team said, but I I felt that way even before they said it. I, I think that he's going to be used in one of the more interesting ways that we've seen an NFL player be used. And I'm really excited to see what that is. But just for that reason alone, like I think adding Bijan to this offense, you've taken care of a lot of the defense and free agency. This can be a little bit of a spark on offense that now has... Kyle Pitts and Drake London and, and Bijan Robinson is, is your 
big three now. They've built the offense through the draft, and and I think they landed one of the best players in this draft in the first round. So again, it, it's not about the value. I know we all talk about the value, and could you have had him there at 15? To me, the point is that they have him. And when he's carrying the ball in the fourth quarter and they're trying to cement a game and he breaks one tackle on a third and four and he gets you that first down, like, I don't think a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, but we could have gotten him a 10. You know, <laughs> like, I, I just don't think that that's going to be the case. So for that reason, I do feel better about the Falcons. I feel better about them because of this whole offseason. And I, again, most importantly, I think that they feel really, really solid about where this roster is. Amen to that. No, I feel, uh, um, like, I can't wait for the season to start. I want to <laughs> see what Desmond Ritter is going to do with him. This is what this Falcon team is going to do, man. So, great draft. Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith. You know, guys deserve to have a uh, adult beverage and uh, enjoy <laughs> the uh, fruits of your labors this fall. There you go. Anything else uh, that you have on your mind, Ovi, before we get out of here? No, no, I'm good. I, I got my, my kids flagging me down. They want to ride some bikes before uh, – Sunday's over, so I'm gonna go do that. But um, no, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited for the season, man. I, I already was excited, but now I, I just think that um, I'm gonna try to catch every game I can at home to see these guys in person because it's gonna be fun watching. Hell yeah, dude! Amen. Um, all right, well that will do it for today's episode, which as always was presented by Bet Online. Thank you, Ovi, for uh, dropping on and, and joining me. We're gonna have to figure out a, a time to do one of these again. I really like, as you were mentioning. Just like uh, talking to Jarius and and your different kind of rookie stories and things like that. Doing a rookie mini camp episode with some of your old teammates and just like yeah. their experiences oh at gosh. rookie mini camp or even training camp or just like we that got first stories. day walking into the building. Yeah, I'd love to do an episode like that. Just like ten minutes with with some old teammates and yeah. get them on and out. So we'll we'll have to talk about that a little bit offline. But thank you guys so much for for listening to today's episode. Please check out our our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons, which is up and running. Uh, and this video will be going up there as well. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and stay tuned. We will be having uh, an episode with Danny Kelly of The Ringer, uh, their resident draft expert on Wednesday to kind of do what Ovi and I just did, but from his perspective and more of a national media perspective and not so much about the the Falcons fans and and knowing this team inside and out. I just want to get his thoughts on, on some of these players. So that will be coming Wednesday. Um, and after that, who knows, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out, but we're hard at work just like this team is. So thank you guys so much again for listening as always. We'll see you next time and take care. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.